All right, so let's get into this. I want this to be extremely helpful and extremely informative for you. Uh, but it seems like I have a tendency to be an equal opportunity offender. And uh, so I'm going to begin talking about psychic self-defense. And I'm going to do this because I was getting this question on the religious trauma page uh, a couple weeks ago. There was some stuff that was coming through on the religious trauma page about what happens when people pray for you. You know, like when you're leaving the fold, you're leaving the flock, and you've got, you know, people that love you or don't love you. <laughs> but more, more often than not, relatives, family members, whatever, that are praying for you. And... One individual I remember on the religious trauma page who came out of the, prof, the prophetic movement, the charismatic movement, was still in company with uh, his leaders. And they had used psychic gifting, spiritual gifting, or mentalism, I'm not sure which, or all of the above, to really control people and control this guy and kind of abuse him. And so he was asking what to do about that. And then, of course, uh, if you watch any of the live videos that I've done with Doug Wentz, he's, I think the last one we did, he talked about Zion, the pastor of the church he was at, and um, her operating in enough power to kill someone through a curse. And I know there's people that don't believe in that. And this is why I'm saying I'm being an equal opportunity offender here, because I'm going to cut against the grain of something that's common in the deconstruction community that probably most of my friends, it's, it's probably going to be different than how most of my friends may think or see some of this that are part of that community. So the question becomes, what happens if someone's praying for you in a way that's against your will? What happens if you're connected to a leader who has prophetic gifting and they're focused on you, they're sending something to you? What about the nature of curses and that kind of stuff? And we have a tendency, so, so here's what we do in, uh, Jeanette says cut against grain, no. So here's what we have a tendency to do in the deconstruction community. We deconstruct from something, we don't know where to go, and the brain just likes simplicity. The brain likes simplicity, the brain likes security. So in some sense, our brains are lazy. And so when we deconstruct from something, sometimes we don't think through or we make universal statements like we know everything. And it's, it's, it's so interesting because I've been interacting more with atheists than I ever have at any time in my life. And it's fun to interact with them because I don't feel the need to convert them. <laughs> I don't feel the need to change their minds. <clears throat> but I am not an atheist, and I believe in the spiritual realm and the spiritual world because I've experienced it really since I was a little kid uh, all of my life. They, they, I've had more supernatural experiences, and this is not to brag. This is just to say this is my experience, and I always encourage people to follow their experience. Someone who's an atheist, they're following their experience, or they would be on the opposite side of this coin where they would say, I haven't experienced spiritual things or supernatural things. Maybe I thought I saw a ghost once. Uh, maybe I had a premonition or a dream and something happened. Maybe I've had deja vu, but I can't say that I've seen anything legitimately uh, psychic or supernatural. And to be honest, when, you know, I've gone to psychic fairs and whatever, I've met, you know, and we would, just for fun, you know, kind of have people <clears throat> work with us and whatever. And 
you know, of all the people I've met out there claiming to be psychics, I've met maybe that I've had personal experience with. Now, some of you uh, are psychics, I'm sure, that are watching this or or whatever, but you haven't worked with me personally. So I'm talking about the number of psychics that I've met that I have worked with personally, and it hasn't been that many, or even energy healers or energy workers that have worked with me personally. I can think of maybe three that were impressive, that were like, um, uh, just like when we were in the prophetic movement, you know, it, 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 it's one thing to prophesy, you know, you've gone through a really difficult time and God's opening a door and putting blessing on you. It's another thing when someone prophesies, you know, uh, 13 months ago you had a car accident and you haven't fully recovered. So you, you, you get what I'm saying, right? So I'm just saying I've had more spiritual experiences, supernatural experiences, I have forgotten more than I remember. And I know because sometimes I'll go back and look through old journals or watch old videos of testimonies at church or whatever. And or emails and things and letters and cards that people sent me. Or I'll run into someone in the street here locally and say, uh, do you remember me? Uh, I was at one of your meetings. This happened not too long ago. A guy came into our church right before the pandemic. Uh, and said, do you remember me? And I'm like, no, I don't remember you. He says, I just want to let you know about four years ago, I was in one of your healing services. And my back had been all jacked up for, you know, 20 some years. And um, <clears throat> I think he, he, anyway, I don't remember all the details, but anyway, he was in all kinds of pain on all kinds of pain medications. And he got off the pain medications, was instantly totally healed. In that meeting, he went back to his Catholic church and told his priest and was looking for guidance from the priest and the priest told him well you have a gift and next thing you know he's starting sort of his own charismatic uh movement within the catholic church there and i knew nothing about that so i'm just saying i've i've, I've experienced lots of that i know many of you have as well but i'm talking to people who discount the supernatural in general right now that's that's the focus of who i'm talking to so i'm just trying to let you understand that i've had a lot of experiences so Atheism was never an option for me because to become an atheist or to become a person who believes that this physical realm, which we found out um, last week, is nothing like what we think. Uh, but if, if you think that this is all there is, um, I just I, I can't I can't be there with you because I've experienced what I've experienced expansion of that. I know many of you have as well. So here's my presuppositions. I said all that to say this. Here's my presuppositions. I'm going to use some uh, scripture. I'm going to use uh, some other ancient literature uh, that's been proven down through the ages to give people guidance on these issues. So I'm not just going off of my own experience when I'm going to share some of the things that I'm going to share. So my presuppositions are that there is, that everything is consciousness. Everything is mind. Uh, even what we call the, the physical world is the product of our mind. We found that out, or we talked about that a little bit last week. But there is something that exists out there. There is matter and spirit in that sense. I believe in that. There is an objective reality out there. There's just my perception of that objective reality. But this physical dimension is not all that exists. There are many planes or spiritual planes of existence that also exist. And we are not limited by what we call our five physical senses in the reception or the receiving of 
knowledge or knowing. So I, I, I believe in psychic gifting in the sense that we can receive knowledge intuitively, inwardly, or in some other way, or through some other ability to sense, extrasensory perception that does not come to us through the normal means. We can receive uh, wisdom from entities that are in higher planes, because I believe there are these higher planes, these invisible worlds, these heavenly places, as the Bible speaks about, and that they are inhabited with beings. I do believe in God, though I don't believe that God is, is that we have to stick with the antiquated version of God that people had six, seven, 10,000 years ago, or through the Abrahamic and Judeo-Christian traditions. I believe uh, that that is very limiting, and as you know, I believe that is very toxic. And so, the point of all this, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to lay this out so that people will recognize that there is the need for psychic self-defense at times. So let's look at it this way. In the New Age community, in the woke community, it is common, oh, and especially those of you that are like into the Law of One or Course in Miracles or um, it, it, or the, the Law of Attraction, it's common to believe that our thoughts and feelings on the positive side, our vibrations on the positive side, can positively impact our experience or someone else's experience. So if you believe that you can transfer energy through the laying on hands to bring healing, that transference of energy is happening through intention, it's happening through thought, and it's happening through action. The fact that you have an intent to lay hands, the fact that you do it, and then whatever's going on in your mind and your intention to send healing energy to that person, you be open up, become a receptacle for that to flow through you. Or perhaps you believe if you think positively about money and prosperity and you imagine it, that you can have some impact that then can begin to draw those things to you. Or that if you raise your vibration, you just naturally sort of attract high vibrational experiences into your life. So my point is, at the end of the day, all those things depend upon the belief which sets us apart from, like our atheists, brothers and sisters, and others as well, but it, it, the foundation of all prayer, the foundation of all those things I mentioned, is the belief that your thoughts and your feelings can influence someone else and your thoughts and your feelings can influence the world around you. Now, whenever I've seen this issue of when someone's praying for me, can it affect me negatively? When they, when they think I've left the fold and they're praying for me. Or if someone's putting a curse on me and people put that out there, we tend to blow it off. We tend to say, ah, you know, don't worry about that. Or that doesn't exist. And it's very common in deconstruction circles to say the devil doesn't exist. And I'm going to talk about that too in a minute. And this is where I'm saying the brain gets lazy and we're unsophisticated in our thinking. Why is it that we live, or how is it that we live in a world that has viruses, that has dangers, that has poisons. We live in a world with murderers and rapists and thieves and con artists. So we recognize on the societal level and the natural physical level that there are inherent dangers out there and we take measures to protect ourselves. 
but we have this romantic idea of the spiritual world that it's only love and light. And that if somebody's sending negative energy your way, it cannot affect you. And we, or, or, and we just brush it off. Oh, just go on. Just don't believe in it. If you don't believe in it, then it's not going to have any effect. Which is kind of this magical thinking sort of stuff. So what I'm here to tell you is, is that, yeah, if someone else that you is praying for you, it can absolutely impact you negatively. And there are entities out there that are light and love uh, in the spiritual world, but there are also neutral entities. There are also entities that are a mixture of those things, and there are evil, dark energies and entities, and no, we don't create them from our egos, and no, it's not just the voice in our head. And here, so, so, so here's the thing. When, when I, one of the things when I was deconstructing from Christianity, one of the things I, I, I had to deconstruct from, because being part of this charismatic world, the devil was always attacking us. If we had trouble, I've, I've even joked with like Derek Day and some others, and when they come from that background, we have trouble with our technology getting on Facebook Live or something. They were like, it's the devil. The devil's doing it to us. We need to, we need, <laughs> we need to bind the devil. And so we had this concept that we were the uh, representatives of God, the ambassadors of God. We were carrying the truth. We were carrying the gospel. And the devil was opposing us. And so we blamed a lot of stuff on the devil. Or maybe you come from a background that was hyper-deliverance. And so your mental illness was blamed on the devil. Your uh, whatever kind of problems that you had all was blamed on imaginary friends. And so then we go into the scriptures, and as far as I know, I was one of the first ones to do this, um, in, in, you know, among my friends and stuff. But the story of Lucifer, you know, we, we have this, this sort of urban legend in Christianity that the devil exists. <laughs> Don, get behind me, Satan. Yeah. Remember those days. The devil exists as this, Angel, and some people go so far as to say he's the worship leader in heaven, and he tried to rebel against God and got kicked out of uh, heaven, and now has a mission to blind and deceive the whole world, and really hates those Christians. And we realize that's not in the Bible, that's that's an urban legend, but it was easy for them to make the jump, and I, I'm not going to go into this because it's whole teaching in and of itself, and I've got it on my YouTube channel, but... It was an easy jump because that was a mythology based on the stars, specifically the planet Venus, and its seeming audacity to shine at the day in the daytime, because Lucifer means sun in the morning, or uh, day star, anyway, just Venus. It means Venus. Uh, so anyway, so we construct this reality, this story that's not even in the Bible, and then we interpret our experiences through this lens of a devil, and so then when we look at the scriptures and we realize the Lucifer thing isn't in there like we thought it was, because the Isaiah 14 passage is talking about the king of Babylon, and we deconstruct from that, and then we stop believing in the devil. In other words, we remove the filter that every bad thing that happens in our life, every bit of resistance that happens in our life comes from demons. We remove that filter, and we... Um, Stop believing that somehow we're so important that the enemy is constantly attacking us. 
and we stop experiencing life that way. And so then it's easy to make the statement, well, the devil doesn't exist because the moment I quit believing in the devil, the devil left me alone. Or we like to make statements that the devil and Satan in Scripture from the New Testament then is just your ego. Or demons are just mental illnesses and we don't have, they didn't have any other way to describe mental illnesses. So therefore they mistook it for demon possession because that was the language they had to use the day. So we go into this sort of, we believe in God, but we, I don't want to say like we throw the baby out with the bathwater, but I hope you get what I'm saying. So I'm saying all that to say, Aaron, do you believe in a devil? Do you believe in, in demons? Um, I don't believe in a devil in the Christian sense or the traditional sense. I absolutely believe in demons, and I absolutely believe in evil spirits that are not just psychically generated or mind-generated energies or egregores that we've created. I believe in that, too. <laughs> but I also have to recognize... From my own personal experience, from ancient traditions and other spiritual practitioners who even are more advanced than me that I know who have dealt more along the lines of haunted houses and curses and demonic possession, which we've dealt with some of that too. Um, <clears throat> I could share some stories, but this is where it gets, it gets too personal. Um, and I don't want to accidentally share a story that somebody's like, oh, he's talking about me. I would never mention their names, but just even if that person heard that story, it would be uncomfortable for them. But let me just say, I've had some experiences, and I'm trained to recognize mental mental illness. And there are some things that are just supernatural afflictions that cannot be explained as mental illness. So because of my experience, yes, I believe in evil dark entities. So all this to say... Now, let me say this, though. I don't believe they're out to just deceive the world and keep them from being Christians. And I don't think that these evil entities target Christians specifically because they're the main character in the story, which is the narrative of bullshit that we created. I also don't think that we can use evil spirits to excuse ourselves from responsibility and accountability for changing our lives and all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> so suffice it to say that that's sort of where I'm coming from. Now, let's just look at this logically. All right. Let's just look at this. So I want to um, I want to use uh, <clears throat> the Bible. Um, so when Jesus is dealing with the devil and he's dealing with Satan, he's not just dealing with his ego and he's not just casting out or healing mental illnesses. I, I think there was definitely something happening there. When I'm defining something as an evil spirit, maybe it's better to say a malevolent spirit, a being, an entity of darkness that is just bent on doing evil. And by doing evil, I mean is bent on bringing harm and destruction to people's lives. Uh, this does provide a, an explanation for me of some of the crazy shit we see among humanity. Like, I do believe there are entities that are psychic vampires that drain our energy, and I believe they can be on a smaller personal scale. Uh, 
I don't want to get too weird, but let's say a earthbound spirit, a human being who died suddenly and didn't know that they died and is clinging to this world or clinging to a place or clings to a person, that energy, uh, uh, and that desire to to have physical experiences and stuff, I do believe they can feed off of you energetically. I do believe they can intermingle in certain ways their energies with you so they can have these physical experiences. Um, so I, I'm just, I'm not trying to get too weird or too far out there for you. But uh, so in the Bible, the Apostle Paul says that the things that are invisible can be understood by the things that we see. In other words, if we look at the natural world, it tells us about the spiritual world. The natural world is a picture of the spiritual world because it came from the spiritual world. That's kind of the idea there in Paul. Jesus used parables and stories much more than he used scripture to describe and teach about the kingdom of God. In the hermetic literature, so hermeticism is just a, a philosophy that traces itself back to Egyptian beliefs and Egyptian magic, <clears throat> and then through uh, from Egypt and Alexandria, uh, then into Greek philosophy and into the Western culture. And one of the hermetic principles, the first hermetic principle is all is mind. <clears throat> all is mind. What, what I was teaching last week fits right in line with the hermetic principles. All is mind, and... If you're into the law of one stuff, then, you know, all is one, right? All is, we're all one. I mean, I hear the, I hear you guys saying this stuff. Uh, well, what I do to you, I do to myself because you're just another aspect of myself. You're another reflection of myself because all is one. Well, if that's true, then guess what? You got to own the bad shit too. So you don't get to just say all is one and you're a reflection of me and then just in this, Pollyannish sort of way, say everything is love and light. What I mean by that is, if we're all just one, then that me and and if all is mind and we're connected in these ways, then I'm going to tell you something. When someone has malicious evil intent towards you, like we're using that principle to say, don't have malicious evil intent towards someone else, because if you do it to uh, them, you're doing it to yourself. But that does not prevent people from having evil, malicious intention towards you. And so guess what? If they're just another aspect of you and they're having evil, malicious intention, then guess what? That evil, malicious intention then by just sheer logic affects you. Now, I talked about, you know, maybe smaller entities where they suck energy from you, I do think, and this is just an intuitive thing, I do think it's possible that there are what the Gnostics called archons, principalities and powers, other higher intelligences. We believe in archangels. So I do think there are other entities out there that benefit from societal disruption. And the energy that that creates so that they can suck that energy off almost like food for their own existence. Now, that's getting kind of creepy and weird. And I apologize. Like I said, I'm being an equal opportunity offender. <clears throat> so, I mean, for some of you it is. For some of you, you're right in sync. I, I guess. Maybe I should look uh, 
look at the comments and see how this some of this is going over. So I'm seeing some yeps and uh Brittany says yes, you have to take light and dark, both are possibilities. Um okay, cool. So it looks like everybody's uh thank you for touching on vampires. Okay, so cool. Looks like people are, are tracking with me. Alright. I gotta get into the psychic self-defense part of this. So here's okay, so the hermetic principle always mind. Second hermetic principle is as above, so below. As within, so without. So if we take Paul's point that we can look at nature and understand that, that what we see in the natural world is existent on every plane of reality. As above, so below, or as above, so beneath, as within, so without, the hermetic principles, the principles of correspondence. And I want you to notice something about the world we live in when God created it. God created there was darkness and chaos and confusion and hell in the beginning. God created light and he separated the light from the darkness. And the light he called day and the darkness he called night, right? But here's the point. We live in an experience of polarity, meaning hot, cold, light, dark, polarity and balance. So here's what I mean. We don't live in a world that's only light, that's only daytime. We also have night, and it is a very balanced cycle that we recognize with the solstices and the equinox. So in other words, we have darkness and light equally measured and balanced. Therefore, I believe in those unseen worlds, that is also true. So you've got darkness, which is malevolence, destruction, evil. In this sense, you've got light, which is warmth and life. So here's how the ancients did it in Egypt, right? Egyptian times. The reason darkness got associated with destruction and malevolence was because they had to experience the nighttime without all the modern conveniences that we have. And the sun was worshipped because it was the life giver. Because of photosynthesis, plants need sunshine in order to thrive. So it's left in darkness, it wilts and dies. So it has more to do with energy, energetic principles than the coloration itself, right? You understand what I'm saying? So that's kind of how that came about, where light became associated with blessing and life. It had to do with the sun, and darkness became associated with death. Also, winter, when the sun goes away, winter stuff dies, right? So it's, it's all, it all involves the sun. So let's just use this model and this pattern. Let's say that you're all love and light. You're like a sun that's just radiating. There are equal proportions of malevolence. Now we have these polarities within us. We have these polarities within us and we have them within us. I just crossed myself, <laughs> which is what shadow work is about. We have, uh, desire to harm we have temptation to harm we have desire to you know 
be selfish, uh, to use law of one language, the path of service to self versus the path of service to others, right? So all that to say there are two types of psychic attacks. There are the psychic attack that someone is sending, well, at least two types, but I'll talk about two types. There's the psychic attack that someone is sending either intentionally because they understand some principles of mentation very often unintentionally because they just don't realize the thought current and connection that they're creating and linking up and hooking up with you. Another kind of psychic attack is one that's done with intention. So this might be people that are praying for you, but they're really wanting to exert their will over you. And then there is the magical attack. So let's, let's divide them into three categories. There's the unconscious person who's launching a psychic attack and doesn't even know it. There's the person who understands prayer, the power of prayer, the power of the mind, and with intention they're launching an attack against you. And then there is what we would call a magical attack, which would involve some of these darker, more evil spirits. It would involve either a spirit, an objective spirit bent on malevolence, bent on destruction and harm for you that gets sent your direction or or the practitioner creates a living thought form, an egregore that takes on the characteristics of a spirit and then sends it your direction to attack you. So how do you know? <laughs> this is this is a tough question. How do you know if you're under a psychic attack? So uh, Marianne says, exactly, this is what I experienced in the church, praying their will, manipulation. Yes, perfect example. So I began to recognize psychic attacks when I was in ministry and dealt with all of the aforementioned ones. Um, so... I would preach a message like I could always tell, like, if something did not go over well, when I went home Sunday after the service, for some reason, I would just enter into a dark pit of depression. Often it would lift by Monday. And then there'd be times that it would just be an extended period of time. So that I got to where, and I started just observing and watching these experiences. Now, if I was stuck in just the, it's, it's all mental illness model, I would have probably, if I'd have gone to a doctor or psychiatrist or therapist, I probably might have been diagnosed with bipolar depression. Because in bipolar depression, what you're looking for is depression that is not circumstantial. Uh, in other words, if if your, your pet just died, um, I don't know, some bad event happens in your life, it's naturally, it's natural to feel depressed and have grief and all those experiences with that. <clears throat> so what they would differentiate is a depression that just comes over you, a bad mood, an anger that just comes over you. Uh, I think I've told the story before about, you know, um, just being in this very peaceful, balanced place and anger coming at me. 
I'm out of me, not at me, coming out of me, uh, for no reason at all towards, uh, my family members. And then I realized, and I had just come out of a, uh, meeting and I realized instantly this anger is not mine. This anger was sent to me by someone else. So here's how this works. There really is a mental transference that takes place. So somebody falls in hate with you. Or let's just use the example of the anger. Somebody gets really, really angry at you. And in their mind, watch what they're doing. They're using the law of attraction. They're using the stuff we teach people to use for good. In their mind, they are telling you off. Ever done that? In their mind, maybe they're even getting violent with you. In their imagination. They're even having the um, adrenaline pumping through them. They might even be making fists and clenching their jaw while they're thinking about that interaction. That's a, that's emotion. That's thought. That's intention. And you're the target or I'm the target. So by focusing on us, they're creating a link so they can literally. Yeah, they're ruminating on you so they can literally send anger at you. And you pick up that vibration and now you're irritable and you're angry. But you weren't irritable and angry five minutes ago or 30 minutes ago. So anyway, so I learned. So then we had for a season, we did have um, legitimately, verifiably within the community, a, I hesitate to use this term because I don't want to use it negatively. Um, but she did refer to herself as a practicing witch. So someone who used the word witch technically means wise person. But this was somebody who was using uh, supernatural powers and spirits to accomplish their ends. And who knows why had a real grind against Christianity. There were groups in our city that literally were having magical warfares over control for the atmosphere of our city. Um, that was a, That was a weird experience. I don't have time to go into that. That'll take up the rest of my time. So, because i got to get to the self-defense part of this. I'm just trying to make the case. All right, so let's just settle it. So someone falls in hate with you. Someone's ruminating about you. Someone's brooding over you. And they are sending energy at you. And you can pick this up. The more empathic you are, the more vulnerable you are. The more spiritual you are, meaning the more spiritually aware you are, the more psychic you are, the more you meditate. The more you meditate, just by meditation, calming the mind, quieting the mind, all that stuff, the more you will pick up on these thought currents that are being sent your way, and you'll think it's you. So you can have a depression. You can have just feels like your energy is drained. You just feel like you're walking through uh, wet concrete. Uh, just, uh, uh, I'm just so drained, and you're just heavy and, and have a heavy spirit, anger coming out of you, characteristics that are uncharacteristic of your character coming out of you. All that stuff means you, you could be a target of somebody's hate. You can be a target of somebody's prayers. And, yes, it can be affecting you. And, yes, if you had covenant with them, if you have family ties, ancestral ties, if your family's praying for you, 
if uh, if you were in a covenant with a church community and the pastor and that church group is praying for you, yes, it can negatively impact you because you have a link, you have an agreement there. So here's here's some of the principles for psychic self-defense because I want to give you some stuff. Uh, when Jesus goes into the synagogue and a demon presents itself to him, the demon says, "What do uh, what do we have to do with you, Jesus, uh, son of David?" What do we have to do with you? Have you come to torture us before our time? The word there, what do we have to do with you, is the same word where we get uh, fellowship. What fellowship, <laughs> what share, what participation do we have in each other? Or what do we have in common? Now, here's the thing. The more you have in common with what is being sent to you, the more vulnerable that you're going to be. Jesus also said this. He said, uh, the prince of this world, the prince of this world comes from me, right before his crucifixion. He comes from me, but he has nothing in me. So the first key to psychic self-defense is like psychic hygiene or energetic hygiene or hygiene that has to do with your aura. An empath is a person that does not have a very strong aura. Now, that's not a negative thing. What I'm saying is uh, not strong is a bad word. It's not very crystallized. It's a bad way to express it. Express it. It's not crystallized. It's not solid. And, and really, for a lot of people that are empaths or psychics, so much of what you're experiencing is energy that you're not carrying. Um, so when, when Julie and I went to... Um, Arizona, um, I want to say in, uh, uh, yeah, it was still 2017, not when we were on a sabbatical, but we went back to go to a, a conference that she had gone to. And this guy um, did eight hours of just energy cleansing on people. And I remember coming back to myself and being like, oh, yeah, this is who I am. I mean, I felt so solid and so centered and my aura was so crystallized because what had happened was going through life and particularly as a spiritual practitioner, a spiritual teacher, I was still pastoring at the time. You are intermingling energies like crazy. So it's very important to just have some daily hygiene. So that's, that's the first thing. And I'll come back to how to do that in a minute. Uh, the second thing is to recognize not all this stuff is you. Uh, some of what you're experiencing is the result of um, psychic attacks that have come against you. Uh, it can be difficult to diagnose. Um, I don't want anybody to take this and take their symptoms and say, oh, my gosh, well, I know so-and-so must be, I know so-and-so's in hate with me, so I must be experiencing this. I don't want you to to use this as a way to not take responsibility for yourself or to misdiagnose, all right? So just... Just understand that. So, and I don't want you to go out and accuse somebody of your psychically attacking me. Don't do that. Don't do that. That's not going to help you. So, what I'm saying is doing your own shadow work, knowing what is your stuff, working through your stuff. If you've got fear and you've got anxiety, working on your fear and your anxiety. If you have, if you're prone to depression, working on the belief systems within yourself that cause you to be prone to um depression um so doing some self work going to therapy or um you know some kind of shadow work or some kind of self help 
stuff where you are trying to keep your vibration level high because the higher your vibration is, and by that I mean the more at peace you are, the more centered you are, the more compassionate energy that you are putting out there, then the less, the, the more defend, think about it like an immune system. The stronger your spiritual and mental and psychic immune system is by just doing that sort of that daily care for yourself. Secondly, is you can, and there are so many different ways in meditation to do this, but having a daily ritual where you use visualization and you give love to yourself. (laughs) So going within and and giving yourself sort of a, a hug on the inside. And so turning within and thinking about, and you can do this by just thinking about your heart or thinking about even the different organs of your body. So like, I'll just say hi to my heart, both physically and my, uh, the center of my consciousness and just say, you know, good morning. I love you. Um, and just a nice smile and just telling my heart, I love, love, I love you. Uh, I want to care for you. I want to nurture you. But bringing some self-compassion, bringing some love, uh, those feelings that you have for other people, bringing that into yourself and around yourself, that embrace sort of for yourself is really, really a healthy, healthy, healthy thing to do. Then what I do is I, through my imagination, I scan, through my imagination and my intention, I scan my auric field and I look for clogs. I look for blockages. Now, you can do this with the chakras, too. If you're into chakra meditations, you can go through your chakras. You can feel in your body. If you're not as uh, good at visualizing or you don't have that ability, but you feel, then notice what you're feeling. Feel into it. I do both. So I feel into it. So where do I feel blocked? Um, and maybe right now I'm feeling a blockage in my... Um, Solar plexus chakra. I'm sorry, I don't remember the correct terms. Um, but I'm feeling it right here, right here in the solar plexus. And so I might visualize that spinning wheel of light and see it dark or whatever. Or I may visualize my, oftentimes I'll visualize my uh, auric field and I'll just see like dirt on it. Sometimes I've seen leeches on it. Um And so then through the power of intention and visualization and imagination or the power of movement. Uh, so if you're more kinesthetically oriented, you're more feeling oriented, I'm going to, I'm going to feel into that space and I'm going to feel it begin to spin and turn and break up and I'm going to move it. And I'm actually literally when I'm doing this, you can't see down here, but I've got my hands on my solar plexus and I'm feeling it and I'm kind of pressing into that part breaking that energy up. Now, if you can add both, you can see and visualize in your mind, you're breaking that energy up and then you're pushing it using my hands and my intention and just pushing it out and away or pushing it down into the earth. Um, so this is another thing that I might do. I might feel the energetic um, patterns where it's closed off and the blockages and just kind of push it out of my aura and down into the ground. Um, so those are just some really good things that you can do. Uh, if you feel like somebody's prayers or you know somebody's praying for you and you're worried about a psychic attack or you know somebody's in hate with you, um, then 
putting a uh, one of I mean one of the shamanic uh, customs, and maybe this is even in, I think this might even be in Buddhism, Tibetan Buddhism too, is making a uh, an egg shape of light, imagining uh, that you're encompassed in this sort of egg of light, light, light uh, surrounding you. And the reason it's an egg is because it has that hard shell. And so that's where crystallizing the aura, those of you that are empaths, that can be necessary. So you imagine it uh, with a hard shell. Uh, another shamanic uh, practice that we learned uh, is taking mirrors and putting mirrors, almost like an invisibility shield, around you. Which that, 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 That's interesting how that can work. Uh, just how your mind can affect the minds of others by putting an invisibility shield or something like this. Um, if it is just a psychic attack, you can do sort of a return to sender intention um, where you send it back to the person who sent it. Um, I wouldn't strongly recommend that one. Uh, what I would recommend instead is blessing. This is where what Jesus said, bless those that curse you. Uh, do good to those that, that despitefully use you. So sending a blessing in your heart, creating a, a blessing and compassion. And I accept you. So let's say somebody's praying for me, uh, putting an attack on me. I bless you for who you are. Um, I accept you and your right to be where you are and feel what you feel and think what you think about me. And I bless you and I send you peace and I send you positive intention and energy. That can break that stuff up as well. Um, is this, is this, helpful <laughs> uh, so doing some of those kinds of practices recognizing it doing some of those kinds of practices now there are magical attacks and magical attack is on a whole different level and if somebody sends you a magical attack and you send a magical attack back to them you can be initiating a magical warfare that you're not equipped to handle you can have People put curses on you that can negatively affect your life. There can, I mean, this is, we, this is such a big topic. We could talk about this for weeks. So I'm just trying to do the kind of the basics. But heaven forbid that you piss off someone who knows how to use the tattvic tides, the astral tides, if you will, the planets, the energies in the atmosphere is in league with spirits or has contract and covenant with spirits there to protect them, or they have created their own egregore that they have energized and fed energetically, consistently, and they have an agreement with that egregore to attack their enemies. Uh, so someone does a ritual, and I'm not even going to get into the house of this, but there are ways that they can do rituals and create links with you. And this gets really serious. This can lead to, uh, you know, I had a friend, um, that this happened to, uh, after it happened, he went to the doctor and the doctor said, uh, they took, uh, they did whatever PET scans or whatever because they thought he might have cancer. Anyway, when he got the PET scan back, it was like, uh, I think that's what they do for cancer. The doctor told him, you're, you're riddled with cancer. Your body's riddled with cancer. Your lungs are riddled with cancer. That was the result of a 
direct magical attack from a satanic coven in their community. This is where, and again, probably going to rub the cats for the wrong way, but the only thing that I have found that's truly effective in these kinds of situations are our most cherished religious symbols and prayers. The name of Jesus. Um, prayers. Praying in the name of Jesus. Uh, this is where, you know, if you have someone that's a priest that really knows what they're doing, they can come in and bless the home and it can have an effect. Um, this is where quoting the scriptures, quoting Psalm 91 and Psalm 23 uh, are really important um, and can be powerful and effective. Now, if you've got some other way beyond just saging, and I'm not trying to be glib. But I'm just saying if, if someone comes under this kind of a magical attack, uh, if, if, if that mage, that practitioner doesn't know how to get past your saging, they're not very good. <laughs> but saging is another great thing you can do to cleanse the energies. And I'm not saying you shouldn't sage, but I'm saying if you've got other things from your traditions that talk about this and you know how to defend and ward off the powers of darkness when they come then I'm going to tell you this is where traditional religion, because of the symbolism, because of the idea of Christ absorbing evil and conquering the powers of darkness, because uh, it's been energized and charged for centuries in the use of spiritual symbolism like holy water, like crucifixes, like prayers, like the name of Jesus, um, like the Catholic ritual, uh, rem- I, I can't remember the, rit- the ritual prayers that they have for exorcism. It has built up energy, even if you don't believe in any of that. Now, some of you that are Christians, you have no problem with this. But even if you don't believe in any of that anymore, just understand that because it's been used for centuries, it is it has a sort of cumulative build up in the energetic field of consciousness and of the earth that you can draw from to defend yourself against genuine, real, true, demonic, magical attacks. So I hope this was helpful for you today. Um, <clears throat> I hope, let's let's look at some of this. Uh, ben says, this is some incredible content, Aaron. Um, definitely going to be replaying this as I'm only taking in a portion of it. <laughs> um I think that maybe getting, Renee says, I think that maybe getting out of the space of fear might be a good first step. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So that, I want to, I want to highlight that too. I'm not sharing this stuff so you can believe in the power of it because there is truth to the, the, the principle. The less you believe in it, the less it can affect you. Um, but I want to be able to differentiate between harm and the reality of it. So we can get really, um, nonchalant and say, well, it can't affect me because I don't believe in it. Um, that's not true. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you that's just not true. Uh, that's like saying, well, if I believe, if I fall down, I'm not going to get hurt. I mean, you, you understand what I'm saying? But what to Renee's point, if you believe in the power of it to affect you, to bring harm, not affect, I need to differentiate. Uh, I need to go back to Friday when I did with Derek between hurt and harm. Um, 
if you believe, in other words, if you believe in the power of a death curse that you're going to die, or if you believe in the power of um, someone cursing your life with poverty because you left. So let's say you leave the fold, you leave the flock, and somebody says you're going to get sick, bad things are going to happen to you, you're going to lose your job, and because that person, you watch them perform signs and wonders, or because you have this link with them, you walk away with this fear, maybe they're right, maybe God is going to curse me, maybe the devil is going to attack me, maybe I am unprotected, those kinds of things, then you're believing in that stuff in a way that you're agreeing with it. So I guess I guess that's the way to to say this. You don't want to believe in a way that you agree with it, that you agree that it's going to happen. But at the same time, you don't want to develop this nonchalant attitude that it can just it has no effect and just you know we're we're immune because we're walking in such high vibrations. Um, and maybe you are, uh, and that's great, good for you. But just understand, there are other people that are just as well intended to have just as high a vibration as you, that are just as old a soul as you, that are under a psychic attack. Maybe you just haven't experienced that. Or maybe you, who knows? Everybody has stronger immune systems. Um, let's see. Uh, talking about what you learn from which saging. Okay, so I'm just seeing the comment on saging. I wasn't trying to be uh, belittling at all about the saging. I, I wasn't. Um, I, I believe in that. I just think that some of the stuff in the New Age movement, where we just sage and we're good, uh, that would probably have some really powerful effect in cleansing your aura and maybe against some of these lower-level psychic attacks. But... Um, when I, I was talking about a magical attack specifically, and uh, those are much, much harder to deal with, believe me. Um, the principle of things being spiritually charged, whether you believe them or not. So, all right. I hope this was helpful. Um, if you guys want to do, I thought about doing a whole workshop or class on this. Um, so... Saging a tool. Yes, of course. So, again, I didn't mean to offend anybody with the saging. I'm talking about, I mean, come on, guys. There, there are practitioners and dabblers in every, in everything, right? Just like if you were a Christian, there was sold out committed Christians and there was your Sunday go to meet and Christians and they lived like hell during the week and came to church on Sunday. And then there was your Easter and Mother's Day Christians who just went on Christmas, Easter, and Mother's Day to keep mom happy, right? So you have people that, that operate at various different levels. There are a lot of people in um, putting themselves out there as New Age healers or in New Age bookstores that they are not serious practitioners. They're making a living. Um, they don't have serious training in some of this stuff. Or they've just read a book, and they're so they're just a dabbler. And so they know about saging because they read a book, or they know about saging because it's popular within New Age culture. And so, again, sage can be a tool that you use in defense against uh, an attack. Definitely something you can use in defense. Definitely something that can be used in ritual, if you know ritual, to, to defend yourself. I'm talking about the person who just goes to the local new age bookstore and says, I've got an entity moving things around in my house, or I feel this really dark presence. And they say, well, here they sell you some uh, uh, sage balls 
and say, you know, burn this in your house, which I don't know how you're supposed to do that with um, smoke detectors. I guess you have to disable all your smoke detectors. Uh, so then you burn sage in your house. That That isn't necessarily going to get a earthbound spirit to leave your house. Or if you've been cursed by someone who's in the craft and really knows what they're doing, they're going to get past your sage. That's all I'm trying to say. So I hope that's helpful for people. Um, they're going to get past your pentagram symbols. Um, they're going to get past your, you know, do all that stuff. But I'm just saying people really know what they're doing that do baneful magic. In my experience and from other practitioners that I've talked to that have dealt with it on a higher level, even those that were, even those that were occult practitioners, name of Jesus, those prayers, the scriptures, Psalm 91, stuff like that is practical stuff. Then add sage to that if you want to. Or I was just trying to honor other traditions with serious practitioners. So someone who's a serious shaman, who's seriously into studying the craft and have years may have other means of dealing and coping with these things that I don't know of that go beyond just what the average person is going to read in a book or advice they're going to get from somebody who's trying to sell them something in a new age bookstore. So I hope I cleared that up about saging. Like I said, when I, when I brought that up about saging, I hadn't seen any of those comments. Um, so I didn't mean any offense by that or to diminish that in any way, shape or form. Um, so hopefully I didn't offend anyone with that because that would just be a misunderstanding. So cool. No offense at all. Um, all right, gang, I'm going to check out and go. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to do today. It looks like it's going to be a nice day. So um, thank you so much for taking the time to watch this. I hope it was helpful for you. Um, Mary says, yes, please do a workshop on all of this. Yeah, I'll, I think I'll put something together on that because uh, it, it, it just – keeps presenting itself to me. So anyway, bless you guys. Namaste. God bless you. Have a wonderful weekend. Okay, Mary, there's nothing offensive at all. Thanks. Thanks. I just want to be um, careful uh, with that because I don't know those traditions. It's not my level of expertise. If I'm under a magical attack, I'm going back to Psalm 91 and Psalm 23 and <laughs> the name of Jesus and getting people praying for me. So, uh, all right. I will talk to you all later. Bye-bye.